top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like 45 minutes, and we're at like Chelsea. What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Welcome back to Top Bins, the show, bringing you all the action from England and Italy, Premier League in Syria. I am your host, Matt, joined by my co-host, Dom. Dom, a changed man. <laughs> uh, what do you mean by changed? I mean, uh, you're no longer you know. in your 20s, brother. I don't have to yeah. tell you. You're no longer uh, in your 20-something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I used to be a used to, you know, that's what they... That's what they say nowadays, right? <laughs> I don't feel any different. My beard's a little longer. I got a few more gray hairs, but like, you know, still trucking I say, along. I was going to say you look terrible, but uh, all right. That's... Wow. <laughs> all right. All right. No, you're aging. You're just aging like me... a fine wine, Dom. You're doing, you're just doing give right. me. Just give me the right moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my digs in. I'm telling you right now. Just give me the right moment. I'm going to pounce like a jungle cat. All right? so, it's so funny you mentioned that because I was explaining to my wife the magic of, right, uh, of Roy Hudson the other day um, and <laughs> trying to explain to, to her and had to like pull up clips of him uh, commentating on games to just to describe just there's really no way to describe without just showing the examples himself. he's magisterial that's that's exactly what I I, I I queued up for her quick as a bee's blink that's one of my favorite ones uh, it's been it's been uh it's been a bit since we we chatted here on the, the yeah waves as it was but uh you know so in that time uh some things have happened Liverpool were cheated out of a game super cool uh very nice um, then they were cheated out of a red card again this weekend against Brighton. Very cool. Very nice. Uh, refereeing is just going really well. Really, ev everywhere you look, the refereeing, is, it's its all really, really, really good stuff. Had more drama in the Arsenal-Manchester City game over the weekend, which is where we will start because you know, we talked about coming into the season that if Arsenal want to be title challengers, they're going to have to beat Manchester City. That was obviously the big difference in their title challenge last season, their inability to do so, and their really inability to do so under Mikel Arteta since he's come to Arsenal, right? They have just not been able to really beat Manchester City. They do do it this past weekend in a pretty impressive performance, I thought. Um, Manchester City, though, obviously struggling. You know, they, they don't have Rodri still in suspension from that red card. Uh, I, th I think people have sort of forgotten that De Bruyne is still out of this team. Erling Holland has really struggled the last few weeks, you know, and I, I think that's a symptom of the fact that they've dealt with some injuries and, you know, they're in a little bit of, uh, I would say, in a little bit of flux right now. Uh, but for Arsenal, it's a great early season result, especially going into the international break. I think it gives you a great boost of confidence. They were dealing with some injuries coming in this game, too. There was a doubt whether Pekai Saka was going to be able to play or not, um, and he was. Martinelli, I think, was also struggling with something coming into the game, but 
all around. Uh, really key victory. You get a late winner. Um, ironically, <laughs> it it makes it so Spurs go into the international break, top of the table. Uh, you know, so they they set their their crosstown rivals up pretty nicely. But yeah, altogether a really strong performance from Arsenal. It is the result that we've been waiting for in regards to them again being more legitimate title challengers um, for the last year and a half now. I love seeing the meme where it's like Martinelli when Arsenal needs a late game winner and it's the picture of Jarzinho holding up Pele and they put Martinelli's face on Pele. So I thought that was hilarious. But, you know, Martinelli coming to save Arsenal again. What I find most interesting about this is, you know, uh, a lot of the rhetoric around Arsenal this year has been very hyper-focused on, you know, they're not playing up to par. Uh, you know, this isn't the same Arsenal. This isn't, you know, there's a lot of questions going all around them. But they're have, they have an identical record to Tottenham. They've only scored two goals less. They've also only allowed two goals less. Uh, so they have the same goal differential and they're tied on points. And, you know, Tottenham has been given all these praises, all these praises so far this year about how good they're playing and this and that and, you know, granted, they're not playing in Europe this year, so that means they finished outside, you know, the top six. Um, and, and you know, the fact that they are top of the table is something to be celebrated and it is something that, you know, should be commended for them. But, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on Arsenal. You know, they, I, in my opinion, they bolstered their squad and they're stronger than they were last year. They just need to continue to be consistent and i think getting a win against city late game winner is a is a great momentum builder it's a great confidence builder as a team especially against the one team that kind of kept you from achieving your goal last year uh which was winning the league so i think this is a very positive result for arsenal no matter what it does you know so what if it puts spurs up at the top of the league uh the north london derby uh the rematch since we've already had the one uh, it will be a very, very entertaining and, and probably extremely high stakes outing. Um, but yeah, I think, I think this is a good thing as an Arsenal fan. I have seen a lot of people saying this online. I would be rather concerned with Bukayo Saka's usage. Uh, a lot of people are using the, uh, the Pedri picture, uh, from when he was like with Spain and he has these huge dark circles under his eyes because he's played like almost a year straight with no breaks and, and Saka's kind of getting in that same, that same boat right now. Um, I saw, I saw something, I forget the statistic, but uh, it was a bunch of players and the minutes they logged before age 24, I think, I don't know if you saw this graphic. I, I haven't seen the exact graphic, but it is, it is a real concern in players, you know, in young players, especially because, especially the last few years, you know, Players have always had a lot of games to play, but it's been really condensed in part because of the COVID break, right? And then that turns into the Winter World Cup last year. Um, you have the Euros this summer. You have European qualifications during this international break. It's not even like international friendlies where you know lower stakes. And now you have uh, what the the Nations League, you know, adds more competitive game. You know, it's it's yeah. we're really talking about a packed schedule. And next year we'll have the expanded Champions League format. You know, which is going to uh, add games on to the the kind of opening stages of the Champions League. So, like everywhere you look, there's there's tons of players just playing more and more minutes. And you do have to wonder, 
like you said, you know, like with the soccer and, and how much he gets played because a player of that talent, of that quality, you obviously have to pick him if you're Arteta. There's no way that when he's healthy and available that you're in a, in a switch game like this. But yeah, it, it is something to monitor and, and, and to focus on as we, we go forward. Um, for Manchester City, this is the first time that they've lost two games in a row in the Premier League in almost five years. Uh, that's That should just tell you everything about <laughs> how Pep's team has, has worked over the last few seasons and, and just how dominant they've been. This is not a knockout punch for them. I, I think people are going to be quick to write that headline. I think we should all remember that last fall that Manchester City were not like hugely impressive, right? And that Erling Holland uh, looked very good, but you know, the, the results were still a little mixed. They really hit their stride and ended up winning a trouble last year. Yeah. Um, and we've seen this with Manchester City over the years that um, early in the season, we've seen them, you know, have some turbulence and turn it on when it matters. Uh, this is still a team that come March, I'm, I'm still uh, pretty concerned about if I'm Arsenal, if I'm Spurs, Liverpool, even if, if Liverpool are able to hang around in a title race as well. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's that's all good. And, and I, if I'm a City fan, I'm not totally worried again you do this without Rodri Rodri's been a huge part of their success uh, especially last season I think they've they've lost three of the four games that they played without him uh, this year and they've lost five of 16 that he has not played which I like tells you like that is enough with a team like Manchester yeah. City where they're, they're not a team that's going to lose you typically more than five or six games in a season across all competitions uh, you know, when you have five losses out of 16 games without a certain player he really is a crucial part to their system they don't have a, you know, sort of a, a like for like replacement. Not many teams would, but they really don't have someone of that quality. I think he is very important. And again, you can't forget Kevin De Bruyne has been out, uh, yeah. you know, for two months now, and it's not exactly clear when we'll be getting him back. Could be another two months. You know, he fully tore that hamstring, had to get surgery. So, for City, it's not an ideal result. But I, I think again, you back yourself. This team has been in this position so many times. I think Erling Holland will figure it out. It is concerning that he's getting marked out of games, didn't have a shot at all. Uh, City only had four shots in this game. Um, that's that's where I'd be concerned, is that if, if teams are able to maybe limit that creativity from you and, and limit those amount of chances that you can get, Holland is a good enough player that he really only needs a half chance. But if he's not getting any kind of volume, that is that is where I'd be worried about going forward. Well, I know a lot of people have been asking the question, is he a, is he a ghost in big games? It seems like people are calling him a stat patter against the small weaker clubs uh so you know i don't know i don't know how you how much you buy into that but uh zero you know. i buy into that zero amounts his hey, champions league goal scoring record speaks for yeah, itself yeah <laughs> yeah listen uh, you mentioned rodri as well um as the resident uh head of memes the meme department for us i just gave myself that position right now um, yeah, that's all yours. When you when when you talked about Rodri, you know, being out for a little bit, um, it was a it was a tweet, and I said, uh, "Pep going to get Rodri and telling him he's playing in the next game." And it's that clip from Scared Straight where the kid's like asleep <laughs> in the cell, and <laughs> he's like screaming in the bed. <laughs> yeah, that's like, come on, get in. We need you. I mean, it's really been the first time Rodri's ever faced any like real. Uh, consequence for the way that he acts because he's a guy that you know and by the way I just love I just love that early in the season refs and, and this happens all the time across all sports but you know where there's there's a new rule change they they're really strict about it for like three or four weeks and then they just don't call it anymore um, uh. the players asking for yellows for other players that was like an immediate yellow card when we were talking about why there's so many red cards in the Premier League 
you know, so far this season and, and why there's, there's such a, a higher volume. We were pointing at that as a potential, one of the reasons why, not the only reason, but a potential cause. Um, saw that quite a few games o- over the weekend, especially this Arsenal Manchester City game, saw that a lot. And I just, I love the consistency of this sport that three weeks ago, you're getting a yellow card for that, potentially even a second yellow, you know, technically, or the, the first that leads to a soft yellow, like, just love that that's not called anymore. I yeah. I thought it was dumb to begin with. I, I was so against it because it's such a subjective thing. I hate introducing kind of like borderline stuff like that. Um, that's going to just, it exists just to cause controversy. Mm-hmm. And here we are again. Just, it's it's so stupid. Yeah. Um, let's move on. Let's move on, yeah. <laughs> Have Chelsea uh. turned it around? <laughs> well, hear me out. <laughs> they won three straight games. Now they did. It is Burnley in all competitions. Okay, you, okay. You gotta, you gotta give that's the better than what the, Dom. They had won six games in the last calendar year. All right, Let, let's. <laughs> they scored one goal all of September. <laughs> right, and that's not the first time that they've had one goal in a month in the last year as well. So I, I I'm just, I'm just saying, yes, it was Burnley. I, I totally understand that. And it, 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 the the wins against teams have not been hugely impressive. I'm not pretending like that. But if you look, their XG numbers have been okay to start the year. This has been a team that has been able to create chances and has maybe just been a team that's been a little unlucky at times. They've looked bad too, though, I should say. It's not just like, wow, they look great. I, I don't know what's happened to them. They've looked bad, and they, they've been uninspiring. But they have created chances. They've just not been able to get um, any sort of like clinical finishing on the end of them. I, I think, again, if you're a Chelsea fan, you're looking at this result, you're looking at these performances the last few games and think this could be where our season starts to turn a little bit. It's not going to be a great year. I think at best they're competing for like 7th, 8th, and maybe hope for something you know in one of the Cups, right? Like I, they're, they're, they're clearly not a team that's going to be in the Champions League next season, but I do think this could be a, a turning point for them. Pochettino is still like a mystery to me. I, he's just a man that I, I really... I find it very hard to understand, um, but I don't know. I, I I think there's something there. I think there's something there for Chelsea. Um, I find it funny because I see a lot of Chelsea fans. They talk about, "Oh, we're back, we're back. This is our year. We're coming, we're coming for it. The Europe, here we come." Uh, I think was it you on the show that said. Uh, it's crazy because Chelsea can just pull out a new created character and put them in their starting lineup. Like you've never seen this guy. You don't know what club he came from. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I really, if, if I'm the owner of the club, I'm hoping that they get some sort of minor success this year, because, you know, as we've said on past episodes, these contracts are going to come to bite them in the ass later on down the road and they're not going to be able to get out of them and they're going to be stuck with the same players and they're not going to make any type of progress. So if they can't save themselves now, it's not looking good, bro. It's really not like it. Um, I don't know. Like they've got a lot more to prove to me in order to, to let me know that they need to be taken serious again. At least in the league, because you, you know, okay, would you would you say Brighton's a good team? Yes, Brighton is a good team. They beat Brighton in the EFL Cup, right? Fulham, Sick. 
full and we expect to regress this year, right? But like a, a decent mid-table team in the Premier League, right? The, the, they're not going to get relegated. They're, they're yeah. a, a pretty good side. They beat them in the league 2-0. And again, they do what a good team should do and beat a newly promoted side 4-1. I don't like I just think it's a good run of results. I think if we look at Chelsea and they finish say again, 7th this season, I I think we'll look maybe at this October run as, as a potential turning point for them. I, I think we could just like put a put a pin here. I'm not saying they're back. I'm not saying Pochettino's a genius and everything's fine. I'm just saying it looked very bad to start the year. Like legitimately could have been in relegation discussion. I think they're moving away from that. And the underlying numbers supported that they were again not a top four team necessarily, but they were not a team that was going to be you know, kind of around fifteenth in the Premier League. That they, they are a little better than that. And I think we're starting to see them make that turn. Brighton has bigger things to worry about this season. They have the league to worry about and they have European competition Absol- to worry about. Yeah, unironically, yes, you're right. Like I, yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you whatsoever, but they're still a good team. Oh, I know you won't coach. Yeah. Yes, this is true. Deserby, man of the people. Love him. Honestly, just one of one of my favorites, truly. Um, speaking of man of the people, Scott McTominay. Manchester United fans couldn't wait to see the back of this guy in the summer. Um, <laughs> it has to be a conflicting position because I, I try and understand the psyche of Manchester United fans and what they want or don't want or who they're blaming for their poor performances. If it's the owners, <laughs> I don't know if it's the owner's fault this time. I, I never know. I never know. Storm that. the field. You know? it's, it's always something. Um, it is hilarious to me that McTominay puts together just the dumbest, this the absolute dumbest two goals in stoppage time to beat Brentford, um, who were much better for most of this game and really should have won and just find a way to collapse. And we'll probably talk about Brentford and how concerned we should be again, not relegation wise, but going to be far off the pace from where they were last season. Scott McTominay gets two goals in stoppage time to get a, a come from behind win. Um, I say this truly not in my hot take voice unironically. I think saves Eric Ten Hag's job. I think if they lose at home to Brentford going into the national break and they're at the position that they, they would have been in the league, I think you would have heard a lot about Ten Hag losing uh, his, his spot here because there's been no good positive news out of Manchester United this entire season. Um, they would have been on nine points. That would have been good for... 14th in the Premier League, just one point above Wolves if, if they had lost that game, which they're on track to do. I don't know that that is a recoverable position for Ten Hag. Well, I, I think I think he has McTominay to, to, to thank for that. I mean, I saw reports coming out today that there's a lot of players that, that don't believe in Ten Hag after they saw how he treated Ronaldo in the club. And, you know, Sancho, who they say has a great mindset and a good personality and works just as hard, if not harder than most people in the, on the, on the squad. And they're seeing how he's being treated by the club and by, by, by Ten Hag. I mean, that doesn't bode well when, when you don't have a hold of the locker room and, and a lot of the players don't believe in you, even with this win, I, it's, it's going to be tough for them. It's, it, you know, like if, if this, if this McSauce masterclass, you know, you like the alliteration there, right? <laughs> uh, if, the, if, if, if that saves his job, the bar is set very low at Manchester United right now. 
Okay, well and, they've and, they've lost and, their and, first two Champions League games. It's not it's not even just about Oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think I think but, it, but it would have been a thing. really tough position to come back from where you've lost your, your opening two Champions League games, you've been oh, bad yeah. in the league and you dropped to Brentford. I just I, I think that would have been really hard for them. I to... just I just think that like if this saves his job, he's gotta do so much damage control within the locker room because he's still three months away from a from a transfer window and and if the players aren't believing in him and they're seeing how he's you know ostracizing and alienating players and you know a club legend at that at first and then and then a marquee signing that just has not seemed to get along well with the club there, there's the obviously stuff, questions. I think. I'm, I think. It well, I'm is, talking about both. Was, right. Know, like, Ronaldo stuff was totally justified though, because he was lazy and was not like working within the system and oh, yeah. suppress. And I, I have no issue with that whatsoever. Um, it with with putting the Sancho stuff. We won't ever really know like what's going yeah. on there. It, it's and it's like it's it's honestly very hard for us to say because like we have no clue. And I and I don't even mean just me and you to say like just in general anyone outside of that situation. Has no clue what's going on between him and Jaden Sancho. I'm just saying this would have been the worst start through eight games in the Premier League for Manchester United had they lost this game. And it's still it's you know three three points is really not that much better. But I'm just saying I, I think it's been a really really bad start to the season. I think they've been in a really bad spot. Not even just on the field performances, but all the off field stuff that has uh, occurred. Just think of all that has happened in the last like month and a half with Manchester United and the controversies. Uh, the Greenwood reinstatement, and then they rolled that back, and the the Jaden Sancho situation, the Anthony situation, like everywhere you turn, Andre Onana has looked awful. I mean, just truly, truly awful. And that's you know one of their like marquee signings uh, of the summer. And you thought you have your goalkeeper situ sit like situation sorted out now? Terrible. Mario Cardi had the worst chip I've ever seen in my life against him. It was the most pathetic performance I've ever seen from a keeper. Like I have genuinely seen like U8 keepers do better. I, I I don't know what's up with him. I think he's lost his confidence, which is a huge concern because shot stopping was he was not bad at shot stopping, right? But he was not De Gea where it's like he can be elite at that uh, position. That has never been his strongest quality. It has been his ball playing, and if he's gonna lose his confidence and and not be able to to handle that aspect. Red flag, red alarm, whatever you want to say. That's, when, that's really worrying. When, when Olivier Giroud has more clean sheets than you, I think there's a well, one of the best keepers of all time. There. So I think <laughs> I've seen I've seen all I needed to see. I've seen all that I've needed to see, and uh, I, I feel confident in saying that. Yeah, he's he's one of the best keepers I've ever seen. Let's go to Italy, shall we? Where uh, speaking of managers losing their job, Rudy Garcia potentially out at Napoli. This has been a story developing over the last like week. I did not love them hiring Garcia to begin with. He's not a manager that I like held in very high esteem to begin with. And it seems like they're interested in parting ways. The problem is, is that they wanted Antonio Conte, which is a problem for two reasons. One, I don't know that Conte has the juice anymore. I think he might've lost a little bit of it. And two, Antonio Conte doesn't seem interested in going to Naples, um, which is important if you're trying to hire someone. You want them to also be interested in working at whatever company or business it is that you run. Um, so they're in a little bit of a weird position. I do think some of the doom and gloom with Napoli is a little overrated. It has not been a great start to the season, but I don't know. You, the Serie A, as we've seen over the last few seasons, 
is not um it's it's a league where you can make a run and get get yourself back into position uh obviously you know the the, the two at the top both milan clubs have been very good to start the year but yeah they're seven points off top that's not great you know going no. into the second international break not i'm not i'm not trying to spin this as this is actually a good thing but i don't think it's in uh, a position that you can't possibly recover from they're in a, a challenging champions league group i think they'll end up making it out of there but I, I didn't think Rudy Garcia was the the man to start it from, and I I don't know how it, I don't know how this ends. It seems like it's going to be a money issue because if they fire him, they still have to pay him out for the rest of the year. Who knows? Listen, it's it's one of the worst starts to a title defense that I've seen in a long time. I mean, normally, like in this area, you do see like a little slump the next season from the team that won the league the year before, and this is this is kind of bad. This is kind of concerning. Um, it, it, what's also even more concerning is when the owner of the club comes out and says, my manager doesn't know Italian football anymore. That is crazy. He calls shots right away. Um, I don't think that Conte is coming though. It's going to be a very, very interesting thing. Uh, he to said, see who he they said bring that he's in, not, but like, he said that he's not coming and that he's, uh, yeah. he, he's going to just take some time and, whatever i think he has another gallbladder surgery or something who knows like he just <laughs> he's gonna end up in saudi arabia i don't think that i think antonio conte is way too competitive for that like he's he's a psycho like he's honestly like there's something i say this not even as a bit i think there's something wrong with antonio conte like i i think he's he's a he's just kind of a little bit unhinged in a good way that's hilarious but i just i i i he doesn't seem interested in, in coming to Napoli, and, and he said he's just going to uh, – he said, I'm linked with important clubs, but as of now, my plan remains to wait and enjoy my family. There you go. said that on his Instagram, too, straight from the mouth of babes um, or Antonio Conte, who uh, – beauty's in the eye of the beholder. I'm he's trying sure. to take Spalletti's job. I don't, I don't think he's – trying to do that spalletti might be also out of a job who knows <laughs> if italy find themselves not qualifying for the euros i think uh that, by the way italy and turkey extremely concerning uh, 2032 euros yes pretty nice uh dom I, I think we're we're just gonna have to uh take the show on the road 2032 <laughs> nine still years doing this podcast in nine years i know that we'll still be friends in nine years i know that for sure might um, still what we, i think that's no, more no, no, definite. No. i said we'll still be doing the podcast i think what i meant to say is we'll still be friends yes i don't know that we'll 100 percent be doing this podcast still we'll, i'm saying we'll right evolve now, into what the popular medium is <laughs> right we'll be on the fake ai on meta where we're like pretending to be i, I don't know george clooney and robert downey jr <laughs> talking to each other about soccer i don't know um we're, we're we're going to Italy in 2032. That's what I know. Uh, that's uh, that's exciting though. That's exciting to have, and I I think too for Syria in a very real way, you know this could lead to stadium improvements. You know this is a big this is obviously a big focus in Italian football over the last 10 15 years has been not just ownership of stadiums but the quality of those stadiums their their infrastructure uh how modern or not modern they are um how suitable they are for sort of like the the more modern experience fan experience so i do think this is a good thing i do think this could see you know, you could see investment in those systems which i think a lot of italians have wanted um to see and i think it's it's altogether a really cool thing italy and turkey is a strange joint bid i will say that yeah. it's, it's too <laughs> they're not particularly 
close either. I mean, they're close-ish, but not very close. Um, it's not like Italy and Greece, right? Where it's like yeah. that. That makes sense. Or Italy, Italy. I don't. Italy and France. I don't think would ever agree on anything besides croissants being good. But um, Italy France joint bid would make sense, right? I, yeah. Italy Switzerland. You know, you keep it. Keep it all very very tight knit. But yeah, yeah. Um, excited. How, to do, how do you how do you think the I'm assuming Turkey will get a game in Turkey. So what do you think the atmosphere will be like? Flares? Oh, more flares than you can imagine. I, <laughs> however many flares you're imagining, it's probably three or four times more. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. We're going to see a, uh, a repeat of the uh, – or, a, or a second coming of the Milan Derby and the yeah. iconic picture of uh, Matarazzi and Rui Costa. Definitely one of one of the, yeah, I think that is one of the most iconic, uh, certainly of like our generation. I think of this century so far. I'm sure I'm going to think of other like. I think the only only other iconic thing that comes to mind also involves Matarazzi and it's Zidane headbutting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, you know I remember that more for like the video, but you know the still image of that I think evokes the same kind of kind of thing. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other really iconic pictures. I guess now, like, Messi holding the World Cup would probably be, be uh, you know, there's not one image of him holding it that isn't necessarily burned into my mind, but um, that would obviously become, like, a, yeah. a pretty iconic picture. I, I know you don't like to hear this. Uh, maybe Steven Gerrard holding holding the Champions League trophy after 05, where he's doing the flex and the, the trophy. And the, I don't know. I think about that, that Mal- uh, Maldini hoisting it in 07. Kinda. Uh, I, first of all, don't remember that. Uh, I seem to remember him just uh, just being a crybaby loser and just walking off and not talking to anyone after the five final. It's really bad sportsmanship. Uh, Ebra with a cigar, overlooking the San Siro. Yeah, there, there it is. That's iconic. Yeah. I was gonna say Nicola Pepe uh, signing for Arsenal. I think that's the iconic image of the uh, of this century. So oh God! I think that's the most meaningful transfer. Oh that we've had. man. <laughs> Dom, it's gonna get it's gonna get nice for you, Milan. Back to the top of the table. Um, you know, we talked after the, the the derby, right? And things seemed down for them. They didn't have a and Champions League performances have still not been great. There's there's definitely some current concern for their group, but largely speaking, the results have turned around for them, yeah. uh, and it really felt like that could put them into a little bit of a spiral. And and we could see, you know, it really felt like Inter won a, a very uh, big march towards a title, and you know, it felt like they they had really stole the momentum of the league away, but. Milan have hung in and gotten good results, uh, four in a row now. And I don't know, I, 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 I never felt out on this Milan team. Coming into the season, I felt like Milan, Inter, Napoli were the three teams that I felt could win the Scudetto this year. I still feel that way. Napoli have, just by virtue of their results, fallen a little bit out of that race, and it's, it's hard to say that with real conviction now. Um, but everything I've seen from Milan and Inter so far this year has, has rung pretty true. And, and kind of to my expectation. Um, but Milan have turned it around, and I, I think that's a big story. I think it's just as big of a story that Inter have, I don't want to say have struggled a little bit. I just think, you know, they start out so strong. You know, they had only conceded one goal, uh, you know, after that Milan derby and that was to that uh, that Milan side. So that was obviously not going to be sustainable over the course of the season. I still think they've looked largely very good. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all about the Milan clubs now, and I, I think this is the same conversation we'll be having uh, for the rest of the season. If I yeah, I mean, like, if you're thinking about it, Lautaro Martinez is, is largely the MVP of the league right now. Um, it's kind of funny that Liao got player of the month over him 
but that's only because EA Sports runs that vote and all the people who want the better card in FIFA are going to vote for that player. So Raphael Leal awesome. won it. Awesome. That's our yeah. system now. That's so cool. Yeah, so sick, right? But um, within the league, uh, I, I think that it says a lot when Milan's best player says he doesn't mind if he's benched because the team has so much quality throughout that it doesn't matter the team. They're going to they're gonna be in a good position to win. I think that they've spent their money in the transfer market very well. Pulisic is having a renaissance of a season. Uh, it, was, it was a great move to leave from Chelsea. I think he's one of the goal-scoring leaders on the team right now. It just seems like he always finds a way to get in, although in some games he does look invisible when he's not getting proper service or chances. But he does look like the better option at right wing right now for them. Um, guys like Reinders uh, and, and Loftus-Cheek have contributed greatly, but Musa is having so much success right now, I, I, in my opinion, for Milan. Uh, he did not. He, he came out saying that he did not expect to, to get this many opportunities this quickly, and now he's hungry to keep working harder so that he can continue to be in the lineup. And I think he's been playing very well, both as a midfielder and like a right midfielder sort of. Uh, so, you know, most of Milan is strong. The only thing that I have questions about is the right back situation. Calabria has looked very inconsistent. And, you know, if it wasn't for him wearing the captain's armband, I feel like he would have been gone a long time ago. Uh, I'd rather see Florenzi in there. However, Florenzi always has, you know, his, his fitness issues, his health issues. You know, can he stay healthy long enough throughout the season that Milan can find some, some consistent success? Uh, because I do think he's just a better player. He's more experienced. He's been been a better player. Um, I don't always like Kalulu playing out there. I like having, you know, four center backs to choose from, especially with the busy schedule that they play. So um, not having left back depth kind of sucks too, but it is what it is. All that I know is that if Mike Magnan gets hurt, both Sportiello is a very solid goalkeeper. I'll tell you what, he was one of the, he was a reason why Milan got some of those like one, no wins or, or, or came back. Cause he made some very, very good saves. Uh, but like we said earlier, Olivier Giroud wearing Mike Magnan's Jersey and net because they didn't have a backup. I love seeing it makes an amazing save to, to keep Milan, uh, in that one, no win. That was the Genoa game. Correct. Uh, so that happened this past weekend. Um, yeah, I think I think that it, you know being top of the table is truly deserved. I mean, they're they're sharing it alongside their cross city rivals, or I wouldn't even say cross city because they share the same stadium. Uh, but yeah, both teams are strong. Uh, Juventus has been you know a fairly strong team this year. Napoli is a fair. It looks like it's another year of like some parity within the league. Although you know, like you said, Napoli is seven points off. Uh, Serie A is a league that's very streaky and uh, low table teams always find a way to, to steal some points or get a win. And you can't ever take any game lightly because next thing you know, you're going to be losing and dropping points. So I'm hoping that Milan stay consistent. I hope that they stay healthy. Um, 
I can't wait to see Ben Asser back and healthy with the team uh, because we still haven't even seen their main midfield lineup, which speculation say is supposed to be Reinders, Ben Asser, and Loftus-Cheek. But, I mean, with Musa coming into the fold and playing really well as well, it's, it's going to make Pioli's decisions a little bit tougher. It's crazy to me, though, how when the team suffers, they love to blame the coach, but then it's all forgotten about when the team's winning. However, he's still not being praised. You have just described the nature of all sports. It yeah. is always it is always the coach's fault and whoever else's fault when it's uh, going poorly and then when it's going well, the praise is just not there for, for yeah, the people. It's it, crazy. It is a thankless job in a lot of ways. Um, I saw – uh, before we before we move on to, to Juventus, I do want to pose a question that I saw on Twitter, and I want to know your opinion. Could you consider Stefano Pioli – one of the, let's say, top five Milan managers of all time? Uh, no. So, so I think what, he would need to do more for a club of Milan's size to be top five. So, so what five are you putting? Saki. Of course. Ancelotti. Of course. I would put, um, man. It, it, I would put Allegri over him, honestly. I think what Allegri did is probably better. Now, if, if you get another title and, you know, you, yeah. you maybe, again, go deeper stage of the Champions League, we, we can chat. But I think Allegri, I'm sure there are other managers not – I just think top five I, I think I think pulling Milan out of the banter era and, and going – and, and winning a Scudetto after almost a decade of, of mediocrity and, and memes. Like, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's something. What he brought back to the club was stability. All right, Dom. I, I'm going to hit you with uh, Daniele Angeloni, the manager from 1906 to 1907. Uh, <laughs> I'm just oh looking through God. to see uh, who some of the uh, you know, best best managers were um you've got Bussini in the 50s I think Fabio Capello should should be top five Capello I maybe not necessarily for what he did with Milan but just as his whole body of work yeah he's a product of the Berlusconi era you know but like but he had success other like and he was a Saki to me is like you know Saki's number one. Saki, Saki's number one. Ancelotti's number two, and then it's kind of gray area from there. That's where the that's where the uh, arguments start to happen. uh, That was prime banter era, man. We we went through three legends off of that 07 team. You went from Inzaghi to Seedorf to Gattuso, and Gattuso had the best tenure out of all of them. Okay, so Capello, by the way. 91-92, 91-92, Serie A title. 92-93, Serie A title, Supercopa. 93-94, Serie A title, Champions League, Supercopa, Italia. Uh, well, he also had... A, he, European Super Cup, Supercopa, Italia. 95-96, Serie A title. That, that, is was a, all, that was also because Serie A opened up the slots for three foreign players, and they added a third Dutch player 
So okay. they had Hulit Van Basten, who was like the best player in the world at the time. That's still and an Frank elite Reichard. run. Oh, yeah, talking, of course. It took four titles. I, I knew Capello was good with Milan, but four out it's of incredible. five. It's incredible. He's, 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 he's above. He's 100% above. Oh, 100%. So maybe he's number five. Maybe he's number five. Yeah, like sneaks in there. Maybe. All right, let's get to Juventus. Don't bring up this 1904, 1905 nonsense. You've ever heard of one? You ever heard of a bit? I know you're an old man now, but you can't joke anymore. (laughs) All right, listen, just because you turn 30 next year doesn't mean. (laughs) Don't know what you're talking about, (laughs) I ain't making it. (laughs) Whoa, whoa. It's a joke. Strictly parody. Uh, It's a joke. Juventus have somehow, and I don't know how, but have somehow, quietly too, in the top four race. For all that has happened, for all the disaster, for all the the, the nonsense, for all the Paul Pogba uh, <laughs> testosterone test thing, uh, which he's now said he's going to be testing all of his like uh, ointments and creams and everything he has oh in his house to make sure that God. there's some sort of uh, potential contamination or something. Who knows? Um, between all of the now Fajoli being under uh, investigation for illegal gambling, despite all of that, despite Allegri being a terrorist of football, despite those <laughs> things, find themselves in third position in Serie A. I don't know. And have looked, I'll be honest, not great. They've not been an enjoyable watch. They were rarely ever an enjoyable watch in the last like 12, 13 years. Even they were a very good team. They they weren't always a team that really excited you. Um, But here they are, resiliently, still somehow. And and, I mean, they were were in the top four race last year. Obviously, the points deduction made sure that it it didn't matter ultimately really how they played. They were always going to be out of Europe no matter what. But I do think that... It's still a good thing for Juventus, and I, I just think it's going to be have to have to be something that we we monitor and watch over the course of the rest of the season uh, because they're going to be hanging around in this top four race. I think they're still a good team, um, and you look around Italy too. You know, we already talked about Napoli how they've had a struggle to start the year. We expect obviously them to find their footing, but outside of Napoli, there's there's no team. I I I love Fiorentina. I I don't want to call them pretenders, but I do think this is a team that. Um, has shown to be very good in three, four-month stretches and then has cooled off. And I I do worry that we're in one of those stretches and we're going to see the cool-off and, and we're not necessarily going to see them be uh, you know, a Champions League contending team. But Atalanta have, have really disappointed this year. They've, they've really struggled for consistency. Roma, I would be interested in, but I just think that you know they, they had such a poor start. And Mourinho already, there's you know conflict and you know speculation that he might be out of a job. So if you look around, there's there's not a lot of teams that you really look at and think are making up that ground for Juventus. I would say Napoli, the only one I feel any type of confidence about. Um, but largely speaking, I think Juventus are there, are there to stay in the top four. And I think that would be a, a massive season for them uh, to find themselves back in the Champions League. Obviously this year with being um, you know away from Europe completely could benefit them. Um, they do have Milan uh, after the international break, which will be exciting. That's always a, a pretty good matchup. Um, but yeah, so far this season, I, I think Juventus, I think they deserve a little bit of credit for it too. You know, I, th- I think so many people had written them off, counted them out, and did not consider them to be a very good team anymore and just sort of assumed that they might be uh, out of the race. But here they are again 
as they always are. They are the, the, the zombie team of Syria, right? That they, they find their way into the top four race somehow. Dom had to step away and make a phone call. It is just me on the airwaves now. I'm going to give Dom 20 seconds to get back on the line before we wrap it up because that is the end of our show. We got nothing else, uh, but I don't know that if Dom has anything else to say, anything to add, uh, I would remind you that you could obviously subscribe wherever you're hearing this right now. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can hit the subscribe button there at any time, not just Top Bins, but any of our other podcasts go live publish their podcast you can catch that there too give us a like always appreciate it um that is going to do it for this episode we'll be we will be back next week we'll be doing another fantasy draft like we did last season for the premier league in syria you know this is the um you know at time of the year where i think there's been enough games that you can make some kind of judgment on how good how bad some of these teams are and make some kind of bets on the rest of the year you know just a nice little friendly competition that i dominated in last year totally and completely um to just see you know again you're selecting teams and uh you will be tracking their performance throughout the year um so if, if you found that fun and exciting last year uh, we will be doing that again next week Still giving Dom more time, but he's a busy man, and he's got lots of phone calls. But that is it. We're wrapping it up. We'll see you next week. Dom will hopefully not have to take a phone call <laughs> in the middle of the pod next week, uh, but we'll see you next time. <laughs>